Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at schoolstatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, episode 171, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. This week, spiking COVID-19 cases are leading to more school shutdowns here in the South, and kudos to New York's plan for implementing rapid COVID testing in the schools. We'll explain what they're doing in just a bit. Stay with us. Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, why and how schools should create a safe space for teacher wellness. Hello, everybody. Nick Ortigo here. Today is October 19th, 2020, and I'm joined by a friend, principal, and co-host, Christina Pollard. Christina, how are you doing? Hey, I am exhausted, but I will not complain. Hey, it's okay. I mean, you are a principal. Uh, all educators have the right to be exhausted. I think it's October where, uh, what was the story? We, we used to do an interview with um, Roxana Eldon, who wrote a, a book, and I can't remember the name of her book, but it was it was a great, it was very popular, and um, she used to talk about the disillusionment phase and, and how it would hit yes. in October. And so we're, we're actually there right now, even though this year's all completely out of whack. Absolutely. Um, so and I think it started a little earlier. I think it started hitting us in September. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, things have felt different here in Mississippi to me this week. Have you felt that way? A little bit, just I, a little bit. I mean, I just feel like we. It wasn't, but three, four weeks ago, I felt like things were going pretty well in the world of COVID. Our numbers were down some um significantly yeah and and we talked you know as we always do we talk about how our schools were doing pretty well with the numbers we were averaging like teachers about 128 teachers a week um would have a covid positive test this is statewide and then i think our daily averages um a month ago were over a thousand and then they dropped down to you know 200 250 yeah. i mean three four five five hundred was a big day usually would it, yeah. for a while um on the student side every week we would see about 287 students um i was pulling the latest data um we actually have jumped up a lot um in mm-hmm. the state on the uh teacher side we last week had 185 um, positive cases and on the student side 343 so um, again a pretty big jump and that data is actually two weeks old but that's the freshest data we have and hundreds more quarantined out of schools right and so and as you know the county that that we're located in we now have multiple schools closed for two weeks i think uh, summerall high school is closed for two weeks due to an outbreak and now it looks like purvis middle school just recently announced that they're going to be closed until november 2nd um, well i didn't realize that <laughs> wow th- that was today yeah that that announcement came down on um, the purvis side and I don't know if you've heard anything, but I had some, um, I'll just say sources from the Summerall side say that they believe the outbreak um, that took place over in that school was actually related to a football game that was taking place coincidentally against Purvis, apparently. And there was a lightning delay and they pushed all the people 
from the field and parents and coaches and stuff into a field house due to this lightning delay. And they think the spread may have taken place during that time. Um, so that is unbelievable. Right. That is unpreventable. I mean, what else are you going to do? You've got to protect them from lightning strikes. That is just something else. And I, as a principal, we are required to have an athletic plan. You know, our crisis um, protocols have to be in place before our seasons begin. That's not something you would have ever thought to have in your plan. I'm actually writing that down so that I can check with our AD to see. I don't recall that specifically being in our plan. I know what we do um, normally for any type of weather event, but in this situation, right? It's like, what do you do? Can't huddle up, right? And, and so it's just one of those unforeseen things. It's like you know, mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. trying to go about your everyday life the best you can in this world of COVID nineteen, and then boom, lightning strikes and. You've got to you got to quickly scramble, and you know these these folks are trying to make the best decisions they can. But That's it may very have actually true. Caused a super spreader event, and it's forced at least one school and possibly two because yeah, you know to have but, to close. But let weeks. me just say this: our high school, the school our children attend, um, we had a football game this past Friday night, mm-hmm. and when I tell you the announcer, I felt like it was every thirty seconds. Clearly, it was not. But it felt like every 30 seconds, he was reminding us of wearing our mask and social distancing and sitting with our family members only. And I remember people saying, "Okay, we we hear you enough with that. But I kept thinking to myself, this school that we were visiting was being extremely proactive about reminding people and sitting on the visitor side. I could look across at at their home side and they really were you know, spread out. They did not have the number of fans. We may have had more fans um, than they did. And they also only allowed us to purchase 200 tickets. And you're talking about 6A schools. I said all that to say this. If a super spreader situation was created, they weren't wearing their mask. You're probably right. I mean, it's... Set through the game with a mask on my face. I'm telling you that now. Yeah. Set next to my husband. No one directly on my right. My husband's on my left. There's a row in between me and the next couple that's in the front. A row between myself and the family that was behind us. And my husband and I still sat with our mask on. And I am not knocking anyone or putting anybody down. But that's what I imagine happening if you quickly huddle up in a field house. Yeah. You're walking. You're quickly moving. You didn't think about the mask. It's no. not, it's still not everyday practice. I mean, it's still unbelievable. That this is how we're walking around. Right. And, and we are now seeing, I guess today, our governor is putting somewhat of a semi mask mandate back in place based off of counties, but it's not statewide. Um, cause he had actually, removed no, it, so. I wish he had never removed the mask mandate, but I will say that we have, um, about nine counties who are being returned, um, to the mask mandate. And that includes the County we live in. Right. I know. Yeah, we are definitely in that. Look, I, I would I, just rather see it be statewide. I don't know why. Like I, I, I put it on Twitter. I wish said it, it would just be statewide. It's as like well. fighting guess, a four alarm fire with a garden hose is what it feels like we're doing right now. When they have to make a decision, there's just so much at play. He wants to do the right thing. He wants he, he I will say he does a good job um, for the most part. Are you saying I'm being too hard on him? No, um, I'm I'm just speaking from the principal's perspective that he does listen to, you know, some of what the doctors say. But at the same time, this is why you're going to figure out that I'm not saying you're being hard on him. At the same time, he is trying to please a, a higher power, mm-hmm. um, someone above him. And I think that that's putting Mississippians at risk. 
It does feel that way. Um, let's kind of jump around the country a little bit and talk about what's going on. I saw out of Missouri, New Bloomfield, Missouri. This one was interesting. The Board of Education made the call to move its district's middle and high school students online for one week because there aren't enough substitute teachers. Now, this is something I thought would happen. Yes. I haven't really seen it, but have you heard of this happening anywhere else yet? It is difficult even here in our state, but we knew that it would be a problem. So what we try to do on the proactive end is develop plans and strategies for covering classes, keeping our groups as small as possible. And so far it's working. It's not convenient. It's not fair to some of the auxiliary um, teacher positions, but it is very difficult to get subs teachers um, that have medical appointments requesting um, to be out in advance. Okay. In Mm -hmm. advance. We're still having trouble filling those. So we already know when someone calls in last minute or they find out the night before of a positive test or they, they've been exposed to someone, they never did end up positive. But regardless, they've got a quarantine for 10 days. Um, it is extremely difficult. And I find myself being the bad guy, constantly reminding and a little bit pestering my teachers about, you know, not being late or not just having a rough morning and not wanting to come to work and wanting to support them emotionally. But at the same time, we are in a bind. We are at a loss for covering um, classes. Yeah. I mean, so if you had, let's just say four teachers calling sick unexpectedly, I mean, could you find somebody to cover? Is it, is it that slim? Well, so I'll say it this way. I have five exceptional education teachers on my team. It is unfortunate but I would have to pull them, which would mean they are not serving the exceptional education students. And that's a that's a violation of IDA. So you have to weigh your options. And what are you going to do if it happens? You know, this one random time this week, that's one thing. But to pull them regularly, it is against um, the law that the students with IEPs are not being served. Right. Well, so being a middle school, we don't have a lot of teachers assistants like you would see in elementary schools. That's a good point. Yeah, so you're a little slim there. I mean, have you had to see a lot of teachers jumping from one school to another to fill holes yet, or have y'all been able to avoid that? We've done that as well. Yes, I had a teacher um, um, who's out on FMLA, and we needed help um, covering her class. We started with a sub, but it was inconsistent, and we didn't want lots of different people in the building. I actually have multiple teachers right now um, that are expecting, and I have one that just started maternity leave. And we made we came up with a plan months ago as to what we were going to do to cover those classes. And um, we're able to do that. But the help we have for that means anybody else suddenly getting ill or calling in at the last minute, we're scrambling. I don't want to call it a good news story, but I, I saw a good example um, take place in New York City. You know, they've been creating these um, yellow zones where they it's basically like a buffer zone that the governor says this is an area that we're we're watching. Um, mm-hmm. But I liked what um, they're doing up there in the areas that they say this is a yellow zone. And, and you could say right now, like the county that our kids, the school that our kids go to should probably be considered a yellow zone under New York standards, right? It's They've got multiple schools in the county that have actually yes. had to shut down. We're, we're high risk. Cases are skyrocketing in our county. So th- that would kind of be an example of, of a place that should do this. But what they're doing is they sent hundreds of thousands of rapid test kits to the schools to test Ow. staff and students, which and so the state's like, here's this resource. We know we have an issue here. And then they sent home consent forms to all the parents to say, you know, will you sign to allow us to administer these tests? Um, and so far, they've only received 20 percent 
uh, of the form signed, but that was, you know, as of last Friday. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, you know, it's... Is it possible for our state to do that? I, see, and this, that's exactly what I wish that we've been planning to do in, since March, you know, and it took a while to get to where we could, you know, have these tests, but I feel like here we are, what, eight months out, every state should have these type of resources to say, hey, we've got a hotspot, here's, here are some resources for this hotspot. It doesn't even have to be statewide. Um, right. And I just really like to see that as an example. And and so, you know, to make sure that they get as many consent forms signed as possible, the option, if you don't sign the consent form, is you go to virtual learning. It's like either you're going to allow us to do this test or you will mm. be taught um, remotely as a result. So we'll see, you know, if that really works. But it, it makes sense to me. Well, it does make a lot of sense. And I want to know as soon as possible <laughs> if we could have a resource like that. Yeah. And I mean, it just goes back to show you how important that rapid testing is, too. Um, I know I'm not going to get too personal, but I had I knew somebody close to me who had to recently get a rapid test and we were able to get results within an hour. And that was great. And we, we did two tests and we had results very quickly. Um, uh-huh. I can't imagine if we had to do that same thing and wait three or four days to get those results like we would still it would just slow everything down in our lives dramatically to have to have that lag time. And plus, you know, potentially endanger people that we could be around and our loved ones that we were around. So, um, you know, the rapid tests have really been key. So it's been great to see that. So overall, like how are things going in your school? Do you, can you make some predictions for me? Do you think we will make it till Christmas break without having to shut down? Just kind of seeing the way the national trend is going. I don't think, I don't think, um, it will be a positively received, my opinion, but I will say uh, this. I am on the brink of ending term one, mm-hmm. and we are going to end our hybrid model this Friday. On Monday, the 26th, we are returning back to traditional. And there are a lot of people who are concerned. There are teachers who are concerned. At the same time, we have children that are not learning anything because they don't have the means to log in virtually, although they selected uh, the virtual option. Mm -hmm. Um, We are still being held to the accountability model and process. And so we're concerned about meeting standards for the state. We've been really lucky, but we've also been very diligent about following our restart and recovery protocols. But here's what I wanna point out. I shared with them today. Now, listen, everybody's coming back. If we stick to doing what we've been doing, social distance as best we can. Most importantly, keep those masks on. We're going to have a few numbers to rise. Yes, but I don't predict outbreaks. What I am concerned about, and this needs to be on your radar, Thanksgiving break. Yes. Five days out, and you have to hope and pray that people will not have their normal family gatherings, family that they don't live with, family that they don't see regularly. It's, it's going to happen. And then come back to school that following Monday. I mean, I look at it like this. I think families have, you know, we've, we've been going along with this since March. We have been avoiding our extended family from the state over or two states over for months. And I think right. I think a lot of people are probably like, okay, well, we'll catch up in Thanksgiving. I'm sure things will be better by then. And here we are. It's about to get worse, arguably. And um, I I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of families call off those visits. I'm afraid. I, I don't either. I, I think you're right. I think, and we're I'm concerned. See, yeah, I think we are going to see a lot of 
you know, cases that could jump from state to state and, and cause increases in different areas. Exactly. We're seeing this huge outbreak in, um, I think, South Dakota and North Dakota right now. And mm-hmm. um, if you remember, it wasn't but like a month and a half ago, I think it was the Sturgis motorcycle um, yes. like meetup that's this massive meetup that takes place every year. I mean, that went on like nothing was going on. And now we're seeing those cases really spike mm-hmm. in that area. And I just, I can't help but wonder if that wasn't one of the the sparks to really light the fire up there. It, exactly. And so to answer your question, I am concerned that at some point we're going to be closing to get us back in a shutdown. Now it's going to hurt the economy. Every, you know, lots of people are going to scream and holler and complain, just like they're complaining now about being forced to wear a mask. But at the end of the day, these numbers are climbing and we have to be considerate of others' lives. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we're probably going to wrap it up there, but hopefully things, you know, do do get back on track and, and we all pull together and uh, and things start to look up I a little so. bit in terms of the numbers. Um, are you ready for uh, today's Brad Idea? I'm excited about it. You know, the uh, challenges educators are tackling right now are just extraordinary. Juggling teaching in person with a mask on, while simultaneously, in many cases, having some students in a virtual format. It's a remarkable task that we've asked of our nation's educators. But of course, this all comes with a lot of stress. So in today's Bright Idea, I wanted to reboot a segment that we recorded about a year ago. So this is all pre-pandemic that you're about to hear. But the takeaway from this interview is a lesson on how your school can create an environment where teachers can step away just for a few minutes to focus on their own wellness. And I think these ideas that you're about to hear may be even more important today than they were a year ago. So hope you enjoy. Our guest in today's Bright Idea segment created a wellness, and I think it's fair to say a mindfulness room for the teachers. Debbie Rakowski is the staff wellness social worker of the Three Village School District. Uh, She's been working with the district for over 30 years on Long Island, New York, and she's here to tell us what sparked the idea for the special room and how she made it happen in her district. Debbie, welcome to Class Dismissed. Hi, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm so excited to have you because we've done episodes on these type of rooms before, but they've never been for the teachers. We've talked about like having a mindfulness room or, you know, a place to relax and decompress for students, which is which is great. But I saw that somebody was doing this for a teacher and it just kind of it just kind of hit me in the heart. You know, I was like, this is great to see what what sparked you to want to do this. So as you know, I said, I've been in my district for 31 years. I was a school social worker at a junior high school. And when I was working with the kids, I started to notice that the staff also, you know, had some issues. They were very fatigued and they would come in to speak as well. And I said, you know, we have so many programs for kids. I wonder if there's something that we could do for staff. So I started this uh, winter wellness series because here in New York, unless you'd like to ski, the winter is one of those times where <laughs> you leave work in the dark and you come home in the dark. And I would bring in different practitioners. Um, I took a faculty room and recreated it a little bit and you know, made it more zen and brought in different practitioners every Wednesday. And the staff just went wild for it. They loved it. And a lot of them still would come and see me for some counseling and they were going through some stuff. And I, as I said, we needed more for our staff. We do so much for kids. And that's great. And I dedicated my life to kids for 31 years. And I wanted to reinvent myself a little bit. And I saw the need. And so I said, you know what, I wonder what we could do for our teachers and our custodians and our secretaries and administrators and everybody else that goes into, you know, making a school a school. 
So, and, so uh, yeah, let, me, let me stop you for one second. If sure. I'm hearing you right, you you were actually a, a social worker designated Correct. to the students, but I guess just Correct. naturally these teachers started coming and talking to you because sure. they knew that you were a person they could bounce stuff off of? Yes, yes. I mean, I, you know, always uh, got around and talked to different people and went into different classrooms. And, you know, as a social worker, the the social part for me in, in social worker is really what I identify with. So yes, and, and being there for 30 years, people knew that they could trust me and talk to me. And I started to listen to their concerns and their needs. And we do have an EAP program, which is employee assistance program. But I think sometimes what happens with that is when they make a connection with a person in the building, that's who they want to go to. So I just started to get my wheel spinning and take a million notes and listen to what people had to say. And uh, then I wrote a proposal and sent it into my district. Did you start hearing more from teachers about the stresses they were going through? You said yes. you've been doing this for 30 plus years. I mean, yeah. was it not like this 30 years ago? And you've only it was seen different. it. It was definitely different. I mean, you know, I, I would say in the past 10 years, I noticed that there was a very big shift. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with the complex parent and family needs and, you know, the high stake job demands. And there's the mental health issues that abound everywhere. And, the economy and, you know, the political says there's so much going on and, and so much more stress and schools are different now. And the other thing, Nick, that's different is, you know, I know for me, uh, when, when I started in the district, school was a very safe place for people to go. And one of the things that happens a lot with teachers these days is they go through this rehearsed trauma, mm -hmm. I call it, right. where the first day of school, we're learning about what do you do if an armed shooter comes in to your school and how do you protect your students? And so every day that those teachers are in school, they're thinking about that in the back of their mind. School is not a safe place anymore. It's got to be tough. Well, kind of set the stage for me. Describe sure. your, your, I guess you work for a whole district, correct? But I do. Now, did I do. you put we this room? You put this room in one school in the district? Yes. It's kind of a pilot so we program? Have a very, we have a very large district. We have five elementary schools, two junior high schools, and one high school. The high school alone has over 2,000 students. Oh, wow. And I want to say one of the keys to doing this was that my uh, administration, our administration in our district, is so supportive of wellness. And I couldn't have done this without them because they, they're really all about teacher wellness. And I think that that's, you know, that sets the stage to start. And so I wrote the proposal. Um, I, I handed it off to our administrators and they just loved the idea. I mean, they didn't even blink. They said, let's do this. Wow. And they decided to do a pilot program. They moved me from the junior high school. I moved over to the high school. We took uh, a classroom that was not being used and literally transformed it into uh, when you walk into that room, you do not feel like you're in a school, but it's much more than the room. There's a lot more that goes with it. Um, and they decided to make this a two-year pilot program, and pretty much everything was paid for by grants. Now, if somebody's listening, of course, we're yes. going to have to try to describe this room to to them. And sure. of course, if if you'll share with me maybe a picture or two, I'll I'll put it up on the show notes if somebody oh, sure. wants to take that extra step to, to go see it. Absolutely. But but help me describe it. So, like, what's it like for a teacher when they walk in? So, when you walk in, uh, first of all, there is a uh, wood floor that's faux wood, of course. Um, that really makes it homey. There are window treatments. There, the lights are completely different. They're not the usual school lights that are, are blinding. There's a water feature. There's soft music playing. There's uh, comfortable couches, zero gravity chairs, a massage chair, foot massagers, a project table that has uh, spaces for coloring, puzzles, journaling. There's a little meditation area. 
There's coffee and tea available all the time. And there's just the vibe of the room. And what's so interesting to me, when people walk in that room, not one faculty member has brought their phone in. Nobody, and there was no signs. There's no signs that say, don't bring your phone in. But so nobody, they just like leave them in their classroom? Know, yeah, yeah. They, or they, they leave them, you know, in their pocketbooks or yeah. someplace else. They come in. Uh, I have my essential oils going. So it, people walk in, they say, oh my goodness. I've had people walk in and literally cry. They say, I can't believe that this is wow. in our school. And it's very comforting. And all it takes for a lot of those teachers is 10 minutes. They sit in a zero gravity chair. They listen to the nice music. They decompress. And then they literally can breathe when they leave and they walk back out you know, into their classrooms, which is really nice. You say that the room brings teachers to tears. I mean, what yes. is it? What are they telling you? They're telling me that they feel taken care of. They feel heard. They feel privileged and blessed and grateful to have a place to sometimes just de decomp you know, decompress, just be in there and tune everything out for 10 minutes. They only come in on their, on their breaks um, or on their lunches. Um, so I'm open after school and before school. So sometimes they come in before or after and they just really feel valued. Are are you now full time attending? I am to the staff. I'm doing it full time. I did want. I was thinking of retiring and doing this in retirement, but when I brought it to the district, we made the decision that this really has to be a full time gig in order for it to to you know be successful. And also, the important thing, Nick, is that it's not just about the room; it's the programming that goes with the room. So I offer. Uh, something called Workshop Wednesday. So every Wednesday, do our workshops on different topics like managing anxiety, um, dealing, you know, adding and cultivating wellness into your life. And then I have lunch and learns every Friday where I bring in local practitioners, many of them alumni, which is actually a really nice perk. They come in and they do things on uh, acupuncture and uh, diet and nutrition and and physical fitness. And it, it's been great. And we offer free counseling, short-term counseling to any district staff member. All right. So, so how did you outfit this room? I mean, did you just basically like look for stuff online? Did you go to Pottery Barn? How'd that work? <laughs> very, very good. Very good. Uh, I, I, I like to think the room looks like a cross between Pottery bon Barn and a spa. I had a vision in my mind about what I wanted it to look like. And I made reference to one of our secretaries in the district who does the purchasing. And I showed her some things about what I was looking for. And she was just able to be amazing and find a lot of different things. We looked together for months. And as I said, pretty much everything was paid for by grants. So there's no uh, you know, taxpayer dollars in the furnishings or in the building of the room, which which was which was very nice, um, yeah, very comfortable in there. I imagine some people. I mean, you, I think you kind of just answered the question, but you're not a private mm. school. You are a public district. That we are a public called. school. Yes, we are. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'm going to ask you a tougher question. Yes. What? How did you, or did your management, or you ever become concerned about the optics of this? And I think anybody listening to this yep. show feels like this is necessary. Like teachers need this, but yes. there's people maybe who don't have kids in the district, have never taught, sure. and maybe thinking, sure. you know, this is too much. Well, I have to tell you, Nick. After being in education for over 30 years. You know, I always feel like teachers are defending their jobs because people will say, oh, you have the summers off, you know, how could it be so difficult? But nobody really knows until you're actually in there. And anytime you do something that's trailblazing, you have to expect that people are going to react. And I, I was prepared for it. 
for the most part, we're getting tons of positive, positive comments. And then you do have a couple of naysayers who say things like, wow, if teachers have time to go into that room, they must be doing something wrong. Um, you know, where's our tax dollars going? How come they don't have this for kids? So I, I don't think they really get what it's like to be in a school system in this time in our lives. But yeah, we, we, we've had a, cu- a couple of people, you know, say some things, but it, it doesn't really affect me because the connections that I make with people every day and, and the positive words I've been getting have been phenomenal. And so is this room, are, are students allowed to peek in there? No. Or is this, this is like, Oh, well, yeah, I mean, they peek it. You know, yeah. the, the interesting thing for me is after spending 30 years at this other junior high school, here I am at the high school now. So some of my old students oh, yeah, will course. sometimes walk by right. and, it, you know, it says on the door staff only, but they'll peek in and they see me and they, you know, want to wave and, but we, we don't allow students in that room. It, it, this really sounds like a cool thing. Okay, so you said you secured funding. Now we're we're yes. we're all about trying to give people tips. Like where yep. do you where do you go to get a grant for this type of work? Yeah, I mean they're, it's they're out there. You just have to, especially now, wellness is hot, and wellness is in. I know some insurance companies are interested because it's prevention for them, and a lot of you know local grants and places that are are all about supporting wellness for for everybody in general. So it, it wasn't that difficult. I'll tell you that much. It's just a matter of, you know, asking and, and giving them your vision, not just saying, well, we want, it's because it's not just about the room, giving them the vision and telling, you know, talking about prevention and, um, you know, how it helps abs- absenteeism and all kinds of stuff. So we actually have a lot of support for it. I guess when you're talking about a budget for this, and I know you guys don't really want to reveal like, you know, what you've had to, to round yeah. up to pull this off, but uh, I mean, it really probably isn't as much as people think, right? It's I mean, really not, Nick. I'm telling you, it's not. People spend money on far greater uh, things that are costly. But if you're a smart shopper, and you know, a lot of districts get discounts from Amazon Business and some of the other um, you know places out there that give school districts discounts, it it was very very doable. And it, for a lot less than people could ever imagine, particularly if you're a smart shopper. <laughs> so is this scalable? I mean, you, this is being piloted in, in a school. Do you think yes. you're going to see this in all your schools eventually? That would be a dream for me. And again, I think the problem that we would run into is I can create a room, but I'm one person and I would need eight of me to, right. to it's the staffing piece. I think that that would be our biggest challenge. But I do, I do know that having one in every building would would really be phenomenal. A lot of the other buildings are clamoring for it. They're asking us. I've tried to create some time for them in you know in our day because we have different times that the build, buildings are open. So I'm trying to get to everybody. I do a monthly newsletter that goes to everyone, um, and, and a lot of people have been coming over from other buildings to do counseling and other sort of things. I mean, do you not think though? I mean, I guess the just having a room, even if you can't be in every school mm-hmm. at every time, and there's only you know one right. of you, it, it, do you think just the room itself? I mean, is beneficial enough to the teachers? I do, but it, it can't be a faculty room. Okay. So there's a big difference for me between a wellness room and a faculty room. And I think, as I said to you before, when you walk into this room, people don't always want to bring their lunch in per se. And, you know, it's really, they're not allowed to bring work in. We tell people, don't bring your work in. When you come in, it's just all about you. People don't um, socialize in that room as much unless we have a workshop. 
It's really just about unplugging. You really feel like it shouldn't be a lounge, so to speak. It's, it's really just to like uh, almost be by yourself, even if there's some other people in there. Yeah, yeah. Or to, you know, to fill your soul with some of the things that we have in the room, reading materials and other things. But I mean, if people had to take their faculty room and do it, that's what I did at my old school. I took the faculty room and transformed it. And it's just all about how you, what you know, what you add to the room to make it comfortable. Well, Debbie, it it is really awesome what you're doing. I think, you know, anybody listening, you know, would say, this is what my school needs. And so saying that, I mean, Mm -hmm. can you um, give me a point of contact or point, maybe a a resource that we can pass on to teachers if they're like, I want to try to do this for my district? Like, where would they start? Just even in terms of Well, what they can do is they can email me and um, they can take a tour of, uh, it's called Wellville, W-E-L-L-V-I-L-L-E. That's the name of it because our high school is called excuse me, it's called Ward Melville. So it was a natural thing to call it Wellville. But I have um, my website online and people can actually take a tour of that. What I could do is I could send that to you and you could put it out there and they can look and, you know, see what the room, I think once you see the room, it's helpful. Right. And then, you know, just to talk to your administration, once you get your administrator's support for it, that makes all the difference in the world. No doubt, no doubt. Well, yes, please share that contact information and I will put it in the uh, show notes if anybody wants to track you down um, or take a look at those pictures. Um, Debbie, are you ready for our pop quiz? Sure. All right. First question. If students could only go to school for one subject, which subject should it be? Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to say history. What are we not teaching in school that we should be teaching? Uh, Mental health awareness. What does every child deserve? A second chance. What's the biggest challenge for today's educators? I would say navigating the complex family systems. What's the best gift to give an educator? Uh, To make them feel valued. Which teacher changed your life? Oh, that's so easy. (laughs) My English teacher, uh, Miss Prep, changed my life because she was always there to listen and pointed out my natural abilities um, in writing and communication. And last question, pen or pencil? Pencil. Debbie Rakowski, it's been a great interview and congrats for all the work and congrats on pulling off your room. I really hope you guys can expand it through your whole district. This is really cool. Yes. And thanks for everything you're doing as well. That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. If you want to send us an idea or comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com or tweet us at classdismiss. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So please subscribe to the show. And we'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. On behalf of all the good people working at School Status and Christina, representing all those educators out there, thank you for listening. I'm Nick Ortigo, and I'll talk with you next week. Class dismissed. <laughs>